Everything we have seen uh, so far is uh, summarized in this uh, this lecture. So we review now the different techniques on the uh, on a realistic example. In fact, that's the example we used in the uh, the second lecture to do some identification, the typical megatronic system. But the contents is uh, the design of controllers for a realistic servo system. Uh, we consider a fourth order servo system. We will consider Tacho feedback and uh, other kinds of uh, controllers. So in this example we had a current amplifier, a DC motor, a flexible transmission, a load and a potentiometer to measure the rotation of the load. Yeah. And this system uh, builds a fourth order dynamic system. These were the responses we had. So if we switch on the, the power source, have a constant current through the motor, we see that the speed of the load increases. We also see the flexibility here. And we also see that the load angle increases and goes to infinity because we go to a constant speed. We have done the, uh, the identification and found uh, parameters. We, we did that uh, in different ways. So here is the model and what we did because we had a description of this model we could uh, use the, uh, the frequency domain toolbox and do a model linearization which means that we can determine the transfer between the input variables in this case the, uh, the output of the signal generator is our input variable and the uh, value we want to see is uh, the potentiometer and uh, the, uh, the angle phi. We can do a symbolic linearization, then we keep the relation between the physical quantities and the, uh, and the model. So this gives us, where well, you don't see that here, this is a numerical model, but if you go to the uh, state space representation, you see that here we still have all the, uh, the physical quantities, like uh, the DC motor uh, velocity, and also in the, uh, the matrices, in the matrix description, you see the physical parameters. So when we go back to, uh, to other descriptions, for instance, uh, zeros, poles, and gains, or transfer function, we can make all the plots we had before, uh, like uh, Bode plot, Nyquist plot, Nichols plot, and the pole zero plot. So this, for instance, is the, uh, the pole zero plot, including the root locus, in the case we would apply proportional feedback. In practice, of course, this option is not available. If you have a physical system, you cannot say just linearize the physical system. You have to, to measure the system, uh, input-output relations, and then you could, for instance, use the black box modeling, where we say, well, this looks like a second-order system or a fourth-order system. I make a model and I try with a hill climbing procedure to determine the parameters of the system. What you see here is that uh, this system uh, will become unstable if the gain is too high and that for lower gains, because then you still have the influence of these complex poles with, which may cause some vibrations, but for low gains it, it acts like a second order system. Yeah. And in fact, this if you 
look at this plot in, in 20 sim you will see that at the moment this bends to the left this one just bends to the right and becomes unstable so that's a situa- situation that if you look at the poles here that the damping ratio is already so bad that you don't want to use that gain anyhow well the body plot reveals that we indeed have a fourth order system because we go to 4 times 90 degrees uh, phase lag and this slope will be uh, accordingly we also see the resonance frequency which is 30 radians per second which is certainly a critical point in the design you should stay away with your closed loop poles from the resonance frequency so if we just look at the response of the load speed we could say well if we disregard the vibrations this is like a first order system so this is one pole and if we look at the transfer from the input to the load angle we have another pole in the origin because of the integration so the load angle is the integral of the load speed that's a pole in the origin and we have a pole in minus a which gives this behavior we also see the resonance frequency of uh, 0.2 seconds 30 radians per second so we can make a simple second order model in this case we have the integrator, we have the first order and we can try to find the gain again and the time constant by, uh, by doing this experiment we have seen that before so we start with an arbitrary response and then do the multiple run simulation and we see that we go to a situation where we can examine the values we found and see that the lowest value of the criterion gives in the transfer function a gain k of about 10 and a time constant of about 0.8 so a is 1.2 so the, the pole is in minus 1.2 as a first step we can base our design on this simple model so we say well we just disregard this flexibility and try to design a system based on this uh, simple model so here the results are repeated a gain of 10 a time constant of point. Uh, Point 0.8 and this is the response so it fits uh, very well certainly when we look at the uh, at the load angle uh, you don't see the vibrations then anymore so this seems to be a good model yeah. well we have seen that one of the best controllers we can make for such a situation is a proportional controller with derivative action realized by a, a velocity feedback so this is a proportional controller and Tacho feedback which gives a different derivative action is like a kind of PD control mm-hmm. by using just the states available in the system we measure the velocity and use that in the feedback okay. so when we consider this part we can say well this is the uh, equation and we have we have an equation k prime over s plus a and then with this kd we get this uh, equation then we add the proportional gain kp which leads to this equation 
and this is the root locus equations for variation in KD where we assume that we know all the other parameters so we have identified K prime and A and KP can be chosen and be given a proper value so the design in this case starts with choosing KP which gives some, some bandwidth it also shows uh, how far we stay away from the, uh, the resonance frequencies and then after having chosen KP we can choose KD Well, this is the root locus equations in the case KD is zero. Then this is the equation. So we can just consider this root locus, find the proper KP, and then find KD. Yeah. Well, with a pole in minus 1.2, and a K prime is then 10 times 1.2 is 12. We have this situation. And now the, uh, the main design criterion comes in. We want to stay away from the resonance frequency. So we say, well, let's put our closed loop poles, for instance, a factor of five smaller than the resonance frequency. So we select omega n being six radians per second, which means that we want to have the closed loop poles based on the KD, KP feedback here. And then with KD, we can move the poles to the left and apply damping. Yeah. So KP determines the bandwidth, the speed of the response, how far the poles are from the origin, and KD, well in this case it's the pole root locus for KD is a circle, and so we can determine the damping independently. Okay. Well, if we compute that, we find that KP in this case is 36 divided by 12, and this is the root locus gain divided by this uh, root locus gain of the process, so we need the controller gain of 3 in order to get the poles there. So the design goal is now based on the mechanical limitations of the system. So that the system has certain properties which prevent us from going further. Okay. Well, with these values of KP, we can compute uh, KD. So we get this root locus, and if we want a damping ratio of 0.7, we can select uh, the value of KD, which gives uh, our poles here which appears to be 0.6. We can do that with 20 sim. We have shown that before. You can even do it by hand. Maybe less accurate, but if you make a nice drawing and take your uh, your, your ruler and, and, and just measure, yeah. you, you can also do it with manual calculations. So when, when you say, well, maybe a factor 5 away from the resonance frequencies is, is a little bit far, Instead of using KP3, I use KP4. Then in a similar way, I can find that then KD is 0.8. And that means that my omega n is 7 radians per second. So I move it a little bit further. And this was 6. I can also use 7. Yeah. Well, we can uh, compute the response of this system. With KP3 KP and KD is 0.6. And that's an excellent response, so we can consider this a good design. We can improve the damping if we want by choosing a slightly higher KD. Yeah. But this, generally for many systems, this looks like a good response. So the design seems to be finished. Before we go on, we use an alternative design. We say, well, we use the state space representation and select omega n factor 5 smaller than resonance frequency and desired set then we can just fill in our desired omega n and desired uh, set value and compute kp and kd well this is some computations and we find similar values of course this even looks more simple yes.
So this is a pole placement procedure where we can compute what we should do to find the, the poles. Well, of course, that's true in general. If you have a physical system, you always make a model of the system and you simplify the model in order to facilitate the controller design. Yeah. And if your controller works on the model, it doesn't say that your controller works on the real system. So we now have to examine if this controller, the just designed controller, indeed works on the system we identified before. Okay. So if we do so, we see that everything goes wrong. When the question is now why? Did we make any thinking error? So what we did, we said, well, we looked at the root locus for KP and said, well, if we increase KP and stay away from the resonance frequency, nothing is wrong with stability. Then we added KD to improve the damping. So KB cannot be the problem. It must be anywhere in K KD. Hmm? Yeah. Well, before we examine that, this is typical. Hmm? I think I showed this in the first uh, first lectures. Mm -hmm. We uh, we start with modeling, then we simplify the system, linearize the system, design the controller based on requests like uh, speed of response, bandwidth, stability, overshoot, sensitivity for disturbances and parameter variations. And now we were in this situation that we were doing simulations with the full, eventually nonlinear model. This model is still linear, mm -hmm. but it's fourth order instead of second order, what we, uh, what we use for the controller design. Did we achieve the specifications? Well, if yes, we are ready, but this is certainly no. So we have to reconsider the controller design or reconsider our modeling or simplification. Well, first we try to understand what's wrong now. So we go back to this model, where we did the, uh, the linearization. So we do the linearization again. Select the signal generator as input. And now we consider the influence of the state feedback, of the, the, the velocity feedback. So we look at the, uh, at the load. Well, any of the variables of uh, signals of the load. And we consider the, uh, the omega. And we look at the pole zero plot. And what do we see now? So the only difference with the plot we had before is that then we had an extra pole here in the origin mm -hmm. and that resulted in a situation that our root locus went up like this and, the, and then that direction and this went down first. Yeah. But in this case we see that even for the smallest gain the poles move to the right half plane and the system becomes unstable. That's exactly what we saw. Yeah. So if, if I add the integrator again I just look at the transfer from... Uh, the input to the to the angle. Now I look at the transfer from the input to the load velocity, and in fact that's the signal we used. We used the derivative of the the angle, or we we measure the velocity of the load. We can consider that in another way as well. So we make this a bit smaller, 
and look at the root locus, at the, uh, the Nyquist plot. It's also an interesting Nyquist plot. We thought with a second order system, this would have been the Nyquist plot. Hmm? Yeah. For, the, for, for this situation where we don't have the integration. So this is just a plot of a first order system. But in fact, we have a third order system now. And the other two complex poles with very low damping give this and the point minus one you can see is here. So even for the lowest gain, this system is unstable. So you can see that here as well. And of course, the body plot could reveal that as well, but these two, these two reveal it most clearly. And here it's very clear, here it's also very clear that even the lowest gain, and that this system can only be stable for a very low gain. Yeah. So this doesn't work. I leave this for a while here. And this is repeated what we just saw. It's well known for people who are designing those systems that if you use Tacho feedback, you should not use feedback from the load, but you should use Tacho feedback from the motor. So what happens if we do that? Hmm? So we do the linearization again. So instead of using the transfer from the signal generator to the mechanical load, we now consider the transfer to the motor. And we use the uh, Omaha signal here. Okay, we linearize the system. We look at the pole zero plot. And now we see that we have a very nice situation. Yeah. Well, this doesn't change. And in fact, this is the effect we want eh, from our velocity feedback. We want this pole to move to the left. But instead of having only poles here now, because we consider another transfer a little bit further back from the, uh, the output of the system, we have introduced zeros. And so this root locus goes from the pole to the zero. Maybe you will see the pole back as a vibration but the system can never become unstable there's no situation where this branch of the root locus will go to the right half plane if you apply such a kind of feedback in a wrong manner you have the zeros at the other side of the pole and then the root locus goes like this and that's even worse then you are guaranteed unstable in this case you're always stable and when you, you measure at the output of the device, you are uh, also sending the uh, the control signal to. So in this case, the motor gets the control signal, and you also measure on the uh, on the mass of the, the the motor. I could say that the inertia of the motor that's called collocated control. So in that case, you you are sure that whatever you do, uh, system be, remains stable. In fact, it is similar to uh, to adding mechanical damping to the system. So this is like changing the physical system. Well, if you add damping to a physical system, it will not become unstable. It's very hard to make a physical system. If you don't supply energy, it can't become unstable. Yeah. If it becomes unstable, it always means unlimited energy. Yeah. So you can also call that, say, that's a passive system, like an electrical network. If you add resistors and and capacitors, you can add as many capacitors or resistors as you want. 
it remains stable. Yeah. It's a passive system. Okay. So this is a property also called passivity, which has a, a major role in the modern stability theory, that, that concept of stability. So, and of course, we can look at the uh, Nikos plot now as well, and we see that what happens is now that we have this first order behavior, and well, then we have this big circle, but it doesn't hurt. It stays far away from the point minus one. Uh, this, this system is hyperstable. Any gain will yield a stable system. Because the whole Nikos plot remains in, uh, in the, the positive real uh, values. Sometimes such a system is also called strictly positive real. Okay. So it is all different words for the same idea, depending upon which figure you consider. Well, I think we are finished with this. So if we, if we do that, we move this Tahoe feedback to this location. We do the other identification, which I just showed. And then we get this root locus. And the complex poles are now compensated by complex zeros. And this is exactly what we want on the real axis. Collocated control, I used that words already. The Bode plot also shows this behavior in a very interesting way. Instead of having only the resonance frequency, because of the zeros, we now also have an anti-resonance. Okay. These are typical mechanical IDs. And you see here that the, uh, the good thing is that the phase lag or phase lead of such a system, because the uh, Nyquist plot remains in the... Uh, in the positive real part is never never exceeds the 90 plus or minus 90 degrees so this is below 90 degrees this is finally goes to 90 degrees but it always remains between plus and minus 90 degrees for a passive or collocated controlled system yeah. and again then the Nyquist plot passivity the system behaves as a first order system well, if we want to use this, we have to redo our identification because this transmission is a kind of, of gain. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, we find another value of, of, uh, of the gain. Of course, we can also examine the transmission and take this to, into account. And what we see is that uh, instead of having a motor gain of 10, a gain of 10, we, oh, a gain of 10, we now have a gain of 40, so that is the transmission ratio is 4. Time constant remains the same, and the gain of the transmission, of course, is uh, is 1 over 4, yeah, 0.25. So if we take that into account, we can recompute uh, the gains. So instead of using a Kp of, uh, of 3, no, no, for the Kp it doesn't change. The Kp is still from the load feedback. But the Kd has, uh, feedback has to be divided by 4. So instead of using 0.6, we use 0.15. Okay. Or instead of using uh, the other one, 0.8, we use 0.2. Yeah. So this is the situation we have now. This is the, the real system. I put real in between quotes, but because still it's a simulation. Mm -hmm. If you really go to the real system you will find other difficulties because there will be column friction and that kind of things. So it's uh, interesting to see if the system is okay now. Yes, indeed it is. So this is now for the full fourth order system. You see that this is not a very straight line. There is, you, you can still see a little bit of the resonance. Yeah. 
but overall it looks like what we designed before with our second order model. And of course we can increase the, uh, the gain and KP and find a similar result. So the lesson we learn here that if we apply Tacho feedback that should be done carefully and in this case always, always be based on the motor speed. Uh, if you apply Tacho feedback of the load that easily leads to assist in a system with resonant poles to an unstable system. Of course, when we have the Tacho feedback on the motor, we can also say, well, we do all the feedback on the motor. If we are sure that this transmission doesn't make any errors, the load will always follow the, uh, the input of the transmission. And so you could do all your feedback here. And in fact, well, that has the same result as long as there's no slip in the transmission. If you slip in the transmission, it's better to use the real, uh, real load angle. Otherwise, you are getting increasing, increasing errors. In this case, the motor angle and the load angle, I plotted them here in one figure, but they have different scales, of course, because of this factor 4, which is in between the two. Well, we have seen before that similar results can be obtained with a lead network. If you apply a lead network, in fact, you have the differentiation here. So that the, what we did by the Tacho feedback is, in fact, differentiation of the, of the angle. A lead network does that automatically for you. So a lead network must always be applied on the feedback of the motor angle rather than the load angle. Otherwise, you will have the same problems. If you do so, the situation of the... Uh, system without a network is this. You have the uh, resonant poles and because of the feedback here you have the zeros here. Mm -hmm. You have a pole in minus 1.2 and a pole in the origin. And then when you add the lead network with a zero just a little bit at the left of the pole in minus 1.2. Another pole here. You get a root locus where you can select your, uh, your poles anywhere here and find the proper response, of course, the zero remains there as well. So we have seen before that we have to be careful with that. So in this case, we can achieve a gain of, uh, of two. The zero has been placed in minus five, the pole in minus 50. With the Tacho feedback, we could allow a little bit more. And we have three or four. Well, this is the uncompensated system. In case of the compensated system, we uh, improve the, the, the phase margin. We also uh, add some extra gain for the high frequencies with the lead network. And finally, this is the result. The response is less good than we had before, and that's because the, the differentiation in the forward path also amplifies the high frequencies. And that means that you, you excite the, the, the resonances. And so... By, there's a step input. The step is uh, is differentiated. Mm -hmm. Well, that that gives uh, a lot of high frequency content, and that uh, excites the resonance frequencies. So this response is not really nice. There's also some overshoot that's due to the zero, which remains there. Okay. So one of the things you could do if you look at the body plot of the closed loop system. So if I just make the closed loop system transfer function compute the body plot. We see that indeed for frequencies up to 10 uh, radians per second, the response is completely flat, which means that this signal for those frequencies there is a, is no, no error. 
Mm-hmm. Then we have the anti-resonance, and here we see the resonance, and we see that indeed frequencies of 32 radians per second are amplified by the system, and that's exactly what you saw in the in the plot. So if this is the plot of the closed-loop system, you could use uh, in front of this closed-loop system, instead of put ne- taking a step as input, you can mo- modify your set point. If we take care that these frequencies are not in the input signal, well, then they can be amplified, but the result will be that they are just uh, weakened. So we select the pre-filter and put pulse in minus 10 plus or minus 2J, which uh, suppresses the higher frequencies. Then this gives a solution which really looks better. The problem is if you look at the sensitivity curve, that for disturbances, of course, the resonance peak is not suppressed. So because you, you can do something at the input, but if you have disturbances at the input of the process, then, well, there's no way to, to filter those disturbances. If you could do that, then a lot of problems would have been solved. So there you still see that for these frequencies, disturbances are still amplified. So if you apply this pre-filter, we get an almost perfect, uh, perfect response. Another thing you can do, because if the zero here in the forward path is the problem of uh, of these uh, vibrations, you could also put the lead network in the feedback path, mm-hmm. and that indeed helps as well. But it, uh, well, you have to carefully tune the network then, because it easily the system easily gets too slow then. So you have in in the loop, in the loop you still have the uh, the lead network, which mm-hmm. takes care for stability and proper pole locations. But you are uh, the, the differentiation of the step is uh, is gone now. Okay. Of course, uh, you can still try to apply uh, derivative feedback by only measuring the load angle, uh, the, the motor angle, because otherwise you need an extra sensor. And we could, for instance, apply a state variable filter in order to make the derivative of. Uh, of KD, we have seen that in the description of uh, state uh, state space systems. So, so this is a second order system where you just use the uh, not the output of the filter, but one integrator earlier. So this gives the differentiation, and this gives some some filtering. This is the transfer function of our state variable filter, choosing proper omega, and you have to really choose that properly because the resonance frequency is. Uh, 32 seconds, uh, 32 radians per second, and uh, that means that this filter should not uh, influence the, the transfer function. So if you choose omega n 10 times the omega of the resonant pulse, you are sure that you will not have troubles. Well, we can all simulate that and see that the uh, the load angle and motor angle now is KP3, so a higher bandwidth in KD is 0.6 still work reasonably well. We see a little bit more vibrations than we had before, but still it's quite acceptable. And of course we control the uh, the, the red signal, the motor angle, and that looks uh, looks good, and that just lags behind. Mm-hmm. So if you further want to improve such a system, that can only be done by changing the process. So the, the controller is now uh, 
cannot do much more good. And so if you want to, to improve the system, you must remove this limiting factor, which is this resonance frequency. If you can move that to higher frequencies, then you, uh, you can have a better system. These complex poles are due to the limited stiffness of the axis. So if you can make <coughs> a system with a stiffer axis, then you, uh, you could make a better system. So let's first uh, examine that in a simulation and then see what that means. We change the stiffness of the, uh, the axis from 1.45 into uh, 100. And then instead of having this response, this is a different time scale, we can have a faster response, we can have a much higher KP, which means a more accurate system, more stiff system, and uh, get proper responses still yeah. with this high gain. If we compare the open loops, uh, this was the one, the, the blue one was the one with the, uh, the not so stiff transmission. If we make the transmission more stiff, we don't see the vibrations anymore here because they are now much more high frequent and, and with a smaller amplitude. The body plot in the flexible transmission, we had this body plot. The other one, we had a similar plot, but the vibrations have moved to a higher frequency and because of the attenuation we have then already we also see them less in the, the open loop response so this allows a much higher bandwidth than the other one well this is an example of an, uh, a kind of uh, infrared uh, detector made by Metalis. Uh, I took this uh, picture from the uh, UT uh, magazine some, some years ago where they advertised for uh, a new staff this is a device which is used at sea and on a, on a ship which moves you want to follow a, a target and keep the antenna still while the ship moves uh, below it. So you you have to compensate for the disturbances of the waves, which are typically of a frequency of uh, 0.1 hertz. That means that each wave lasts about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so 0.6 radians per second. So these are a few responses I can make then. This is the... Uh, the motor angle and the reference signal. So the reference is the waves. And if you look at the load angle and the motor angle, they should uh, should follow the, the reference. So this is a little bit uh, enlarged. And if we use waves with more frequency components, we see that there is, in this case, some delay. There is some error. Yeah. The bandwidth is too small. If we increase the... Uh, the stiffness, we see that we can really decrease the error for this kind of signals. And when we enlarge that, we see that the error with KP3 was this, and the error with KP is 200, is much smaller. Yeah. So really improving the uh, the design of the, uh, the mechanical construction helps to, uh, to design a better control system. And in fact, that's where control engineering and the systems approach is all about. If you only look at the controller and take the system for granted, you can improve the system, but the results are limited. Mm -hmm. The best results are always obtained if you consider the system as a whole. Yeah. That you don't say, well, I have to take this for granted. No, from a control engineering point of view, you can indicate what you want to improve on the design of the, the other parts of the system. Okay. Well, the closed loop body plots with the flexible transmission and with the stiffer transmission, you see that the bandwidth has considerably increased here. From 1.2 to 43 radians per second. 
To conclude, we have seen that a realistic system can be controlled with the tools learned in this course. And this was really a realistic system because this is, well, of a reasonable complexity. And all the tools could be applied and could be used to explain what we observe when we apply a controller to such a system. What's left for the next two lectures is the implementation of controllers in a, in a digital computer. And that will be done in the next two lectures. And well, of course, there is more to do in control engineering. But for the, the basic, the, the, the classical stuff, this is about it. And so we proceed now next time with uh, basic descriptions of uh, digital control systems. And then we'll do the same example from a digital controller point of view.